Or am I going to let go of where I am and say, this has been good, it's been real, it's been nice, but I'm being led in a different direction now. And my purpose has shifted. And therefore, my needs and my wants have shifted. And this is no longer a priority for me. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to the Redefining Wealth podcast, where we believe that wealth is more than money and material possessions. It's actually about well-being in every area of your life. Today's episode, the blessing of downsizing, is really personal because I'm actually in the midst of this. To those of you who are new, what you will learn about me here at Redefining Wealth is I really don't approach my work being known as a personal finance expert for almost the last decade as being one of those people who's on the mountaintop kind of looking down on other people and pointing my finger about, you better do this and you better not do that. I've always considered myself as the person that's kind of bringing everyone along (laughs) up the mountain with me as I continue to climb and that we're on this journey together. And that's the big part about what we're building here is that this is community and I'm learning from you and you're learning from me. And so the blessing of downsizing, this is, you know, maybe going to be a two-part thing where I get to really share even more once I'm on the other side of this, we'll probably revisit in several months or a year even. But right now I'm in the middle of this process of downsizing and scaling back. And I just, I'm learning so much and I wanted it to be this, like, let me tell you after I've arrived type of thing. And the more I talked to my team about it and talked to my husband about it even, it just really became something that I felt like we needed to do together because I find that every week there is someone in this audience, in this community of thousands and thousands of uh, great men and women where someone will inevitably reach out and say, you said this for me. What you said gave me permission to fill in the blank, or this was confirmation. And so I really feel in my spirit that there are others of you out there who are considering the possibility of downsizing. And because we are in a culture where we want more, we want it to be greater, bigger, supersize it, enlarge it, make it mega this or mega that, you know, that it's unacceptable to take a step back and downsize. And I think that more of us, people who may have some level of influence, need to not share always the mountaintop experience, but share when we're going through it. And so that's what this episode is about. So welcome back, a big welcome to those of you who are diehard listeners and you tune in every week and listen on your commute or at your desk or while you're walking or working out. And I just appreciate you guys so much. Uh, I believe this one will be a blessing for you too. And again, if you're new, make sure you subscribe. This is a wonderful community and we really unpack finances from a different perspective. Everything that we talk about may not seem like it connects to money, but it helps you become your best self and therefore in a better position to receive and actually maintain and sustain the money that you desire. But for those of you who've been here for a while, I want you to think back to the episode I did with HGTV's Egypt Sharad. Many of you know her. 
You may remember that on the episode I did with Egypt Sherrod, it was called Simplicity Drives Success. And I shared that our word for the year as a family was simplicity. And the amazing thing about choosing a word or theme for the year is that you declare that maybe on January 1st or in December when you're thinking about what you want your next year to look like, but you don't always know where it'll take you. And I remember really kind of meditating on this word of simplicity and feeling that it was going to do a lot, like shift a lot in my life, but not really understanding what that would look like but still trusting that that's what I needed in this season. And so as I talk about downsizing, the the real gag is that I had no idea (laughs) that we would actually end up doing this downsize. And so, so much has happened that I just really want to unpack. So let me just get into it. What I may have shared on that episode with Egypt as we were talking about your home and your space and all this stuff is that my husband and I were realizing that, yes, we lost everything in the recession. A part of that was foreclosing on a beautiful home here in Southern California and ended up living in a teeny tiny apartment in Metairie, Louisiana, and then on my brother's couch in Atlanta, Georgia, until we got back in our first apartment. And then we've, you know, gotten houses since then and moved back to LA. And so if you haven't seen my YouTube videos, if you look at my videos on YouTube, the intro was my actual house. And so that house is about 6,500 square feet or so. Beautiful home, big backyard. Just, we felt like this is what we had been working for. And I'm sure if you've ever been through a financial setback in particular, that the goal is kind of, and my husband and I used to say this mantra, been there, done that on the way back. And so the goal is like, I want to get back to this. And we didn't really realize that as we were working all these years and he was building his empire and I was becoming the money maven and all this, and we were channeling our energy into that. Once we got in that house, which we do love, we realized after a while in this season that with it just being the three of us at home, that we didn't really want all of that. You know, we realized that we were paying a lot of money in Southern Cal, as you can imagine, to heat and cool about 4,500 square feet that we really don't utilize on a daily basis. And paying people to clean it and upkeep it and maintain it and all of this. And so when we had that episode, when I did that episode with Egypt and we just talked more about it, it just kind of kept coming up. It kept coming up. But we were battling this idea that many people around us had of like, oh, you guys made it back. You've arrived. You've Not so much what we even felt, but just the perception because we had the house that would have the great summer parties and Christmas brunch and the get togethers and all this stuff. And we start thinking about, but are we holding on to this house for those three or four days out of the year where we invite other people over when the truth is the other 360 days The three of us are usually cuddled up on one sectional sofa, (laughs) or I'm in my office, or my husband's in his office, or we're traveling. And so why does this make sense when what we're planning out for the rest of our lives, for the bigger picture for our life, requires us to really buckle up and invest in those things instead of just investing in having this space? And so we got really intentional and we started thinking about like, wow, is everything bigger actually better? 
And it's not to say that we won't go back to having a big home, but we really started to challenge ourselves. And this became a constant conversation that we even included our daughter in. And we came down to this kind of guiding principle for us right now, which was you can't maximize unless you're willing to go through a downsize. Unless we're really willing to take a step back in order to really walk into this bigger life vision that we have, like we have to be willing to eliminate dead things. We have to be willing to trim and cut back and prune some things in order to grow in the way that we see ourselves ultimately. And it's been a process. Like this literally has gone on for several months where we've been talking about this and talking about it. And finally, just like a month and a half or maybe almost two months now, we just decided to pull the trigger. And so we went from that 6,500 square foot home to a 2,000 square foot apartment. And trust me, I'm not saying this as if we're slumming or something because we live in a great neighborhood. We actually live three minutes away from our house. (laughs) And we live in a great neighborhood. We didn't want to disrupt what is the norm for my daughter in terms of school and activities and just favorite restaurants and places to go and stuff. But so it's not as if we're slumming or anything, but we have cut our expenses by 60%. We have cut our expenses by 60% in order to take that and invest in what we see for our future. And as much as we understood this intellectually, Once we got into it, there were still like different things that came up. There were still different challenges. One of those being the first one is wanting to manage people's perceptions of what was going on. And I'm sure that you can relate to this, like making or not making decisions because you were thinking, well, I don't want people to think. We even went to the extreme of, I don't want people to think we're broke. I mean, I don't want people to think that you know, because you're transitioning in your career, we can't maintain our lifestyle because that's not necessarily true. We've we've saved and we've built for that. And then it was like, it was a whole bunch of what will people think? What will my daughter's friends at school think? Because it's a you know, close-knit community and all the parents know each other. And are they going to think that something's going wrong with us and they need to donate uniforms to her? And that came up. And as much as I know, and I preach this forever, that if you care about what other people think, you'll always be broke. I believe that. That mindset still comes up because I was raised to care about what other people think. And so making a big decision like this, you know, that came up. And then I go everywhere and tell the story about us losing everything and and having to start over in this whole transition. And so taking a step back intentionally, though, do I have to tell people, and I'm not doing this episode now for that, the sake of that. I just felt like, man, there's other people who who are probably struggling with this or going through this and our experience and the fact that we push through some of those limiting beliefs might be beneficial to people in the audience because it comes up. It's like, what will people think? Can I do it? What am I going to do with all my stuff? <laughs> As you can imagine, there was a lot uh, that goes into furnishing like a home that's that large. But I started to think and listen to again that episode I did with Egypt Sherrod. And 
I asked her about what advice she would give people. And she's talked about taking everything out of your house and only putting back in the things that you really loved and enjoyed. And so when we started to think about the potential of moving and what type of space we would be in, it was clear from the beginning that I couldn't take everything in my house, but I realized that I didn't love everything in that house either. I didn't value or cherish everything in that house. I had nice things, but when I looked around, I'm like, what I love is this. I could do without that. I don't even walk by it. I don't look at it. But what I love is that. What I love is this piece. What I love is this piece of art. What I love is this little statue thing that we have or whatever. And so when I started to mentally categorize what I loved and what I really wanted and needed versus what was a nice to have, I realized that I really didn't love everything that was in that house, some things I was just tolerating. And as my husband started to go through his things, things that I thought he really cherished, he was like, I don't care about that. (laughs) I don't want that. My daughter in her room, she was like, do I have to take this? I don't really want this. And it was just amazing how as we got into the process, we became so clear about what mattered and what didn't. And the pieces that mattered the most to us happened to be the pieces where we all spent the most time. Like we love our sectional. (laughs) Shout out to Restoration Hardware. That cloud sectional, if you've never seen it, is amazing. You can't sit on it without sinking in and then wanting to go to sleep instantly. And so we loved our sectional. We loved the bed in our guest room more than we loved our bed. We loved just certain pieces around our house. And when we really got to it, it was like, we only need these things. We really have just been tolerating the other stuff. And it made me think about a sermon I heard some years ago where the pastor was just talking about the process of pruning and and just that pruning is a part of your growth. You have to cut the dead things back in order to grow. And so as I was kind of thinking about this episode, I looked up like, what is the purpose of pruning? And I'll link to what I found. I found several things, but I want to link to one page in particular that's very simple and clean and goes into pruning. But I love it says this, pruning of trees should always be done with a purpose in mind. The purposes for pruning are varied. Some pruning is done to change or train a plant's growing pattern or to restrict growth. Other forms of pruning may be required to maintain or improve plant health or the quality of flowers, fruits, or foliage. And I love that it said that there's different purposes for pruning because I feel like there's been times in my life where I was pruned, where when I lost everything and had to go through that whole process, I was pruned in order to really change the growing pattern that I had. While I was successful, I don't think that I was necessarily answering the call that was on my life yet. And I needed to be pruned. I needed to be cut back. I needed for things to be scaled back so that I could see what I believe God was trying to say to me in that season. But in this season, I really believe that sometimes the pruning, we need to just accept it and initiate pruning as a part of the process for that whole growth part. 
not necessarily to change direction or change the growth pattern, but just really to be at optimal health. Like we have to accept that pruning is a part of the process. And whenever possible, I think we're just at a place now where we want to control that process instead of succumbing to it. Because again, we understand that if we're called to this vision, and essentially our vision is to invest in multi-unit properties all over the country and kind of change the landscape in certain areas and demographics where the housing just is not up to par. And so we just, we're still playing with this vision and I'm sure you guys will hear me talk about in the future, but it was like, we have an opportunity to take 60% of what we're putting out just for us to live this way when it, again, is just the three of us in our home or we can take that money and invest it and actually be a blessing to other people. Yes, it's going to be a financial blessing to us. I'm very certain of that. But we get to be a blessing to other people that otherwise wouldn't have decent housing in the neighborhoods or areas that they live in. And so we're talking 20, 30, 40, 100 unit buildings. And that is our vision. When the vision is so great, it's going to take trimming back some things that just don't matter. We want to focus on what matters instead of putting such importance on things that don't even matter. And I have to say that as much as I understood this intellectually, when we really got into the process of moving and going through it, there were still challenges. And it wasn't until we all got honest. So we were all kind of keeping it to ourselves, what those challenges were. And then finally, my husband and I had a conversation one night. And I think it takes him breaking down for you guys what he said to me. But that was the thing that was like, wow, like my mind was blown. And I was even more convicted about moving forward. So I want you to hear this quick conversation where Gerald and I talk about what came out of our talk that night that got us back both excited about downsizing. So as much as we both understood the bigger picture for why we were downsizing, what the bigger vision was on the other side, what it would take, what the plan was, there was still something that I personally didn't expect, which was once we really got into the physical move, I started to doubt like whether this was a good idea or not, or whether we could have or should have done other things instead of going this route, or was all of this really necessary to actually accomplish our goals? So here's Gerald. Welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) You're going to welcome yourself? I'm welcome myself. I I need applause and everything. Maybe I'll put in that applause effect for you. You should have put it. I appreciate that. (laughs) I think that the best way to summarize transition and the moving from large to small, from a lot to minimizing, from one place to the other, this particular situation for me became and felt like I was detoxing. And the decluttering of my life and the removal of certain things and certain people and certain circumstances, and specifically for this move of my family, allowed me to begin to look at how much I had that I didn't need. Mm -hmm. And in that detox, if anybody has done a detox, 
literally on your body where you would begin to drink these green drinks or take these pills that are recommended by a nutritionist and your body begins to release waste and content and things. It becomes hurtful for a certain part, but when it's over, it's so refreshing. But the process in which we were going through as we were moving and as we were looking at what we had accumulated mm-hmm. over time, I began to really realize how much stuff I had bought and how I had had and have so much space that I began to feel mm-hmm. and how much waste I had begun to add to my life that had begun to bog me down and make me feel heavy in both the literal and the physical sense because of all the extra. Um, and removing that became such a relieving process that was painful because, and I may be a little graphic, mm-hmm. if you've been on a detox and you're taking these pills, and I've done D-herbs a few times in AD, pill number six <laughs> is the one that makes you go to the bathroom. <laughs> that's the real colon. <laughs> that, that's you know, the colon but... <laughs> pill. I mean, it grabs the insides of your stomach. Yeah. And it twists it, it turns it, and it makes you, I mean, it's that antagonizing cramping, and I'm not a woman, so I don't know what you mm-hmm. guys go through every month, but it's that cramping feeling as a man, it, that's the only thing we can relate it to in comparison. Yeah. And it grabs the things that are so unwanted in your system and it makes them come out. When you told me that, what was interesting is at the time that we started to have this conversation is that we were all having physical symptoms of something. Mm-hmm. And we kept saying, but I'm not sick, but I feel this. And Reagan start kind of, oh, I have a headache or, oh, you know, I don't feel good today. And she was going to sleep early. And then I was feeling something and you were feeling something. And when you finally said, well, babe, we're not just decluttering, we're detoxing. I was like, like the light bulb came on. I'm like, yeah. And to your point about filling up all the space that we had. Now, as much as I've been preaching about space Mm -hmm. and the clutter Mm -hmm. and redefining wealth, I didn't think we had clutter because I'm so good at like giving things to goodwill and, you know, giving things away and thinking that we don't have a lot of unnecessary stuff because our house is always immaculate and everything is always in its place. But we had so much space when we start moving. Reagan, I think, was like, we have 189 cabinet. Like it was ridiculous. And we had something in every nook and cranny of that house. And I think that's a lot like life, like what you're saying. Like it was it was physical and literal. How much stuff is hiding in every nook and cranny of us that we don't even realize we need to declutter and detox from? Uh, and I'm going to give you another example. And I, and I don't know how much of this you talked about on, on your podcast, but the other time that I felt the grind and the, and the agony within my spirit and my soul and I, and I didn't realize what I needed to declutter mm-hmm. is when we filed bankruptcy. Mm. Because for me, I, I had accumulated all this stuff, all these properties that weren't financially beneficial to me in the long term because of how I purchased them. Mm-hmm. And the minute I agreed to file bankruptcy and, <laughs> and, and declutter my spirit mm-hmm. and release and take pill number six, my life was different. I was that, free. That was one of the first times that we slept. Like we I, that I really slept and had Absolutely. rest because for years we had been playing this game of trying to 
figure it out and do all of these um, payment plans and how can we shift this and do this and do that and stressing. And then finally, when we were told you can't nickel and dime your way out of $2 million of debt, we were like, man. Yeah. And and I want to make sure everybody understands that as the empire builder in this unit and, and figuring out the proper plan to effectively build a successful and sustainable empire, decluttering was necessary. Mm-hmm. Many times people feel like when you declutter or downsize, you're doing it for a negative reason. I want to be the first one to say it's not a negative reason why we downsize. We downsize and are downsizing because of what the future looks like. Mm-hmm. And in order to get to 100 units of income and 100 doors of property for us in multi-unit apartment complexes, it looks like decluttering now mm-hmm. so that the next purchase is one that will be forever, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. In order to declutter and save the revenue I want us to have in order for us to buy multi-units that take a larger down payment than someone buying a single-family house. I'm taking two steps back so that Reagan's college fund is finished mm-hmm. by next year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think people in, on your podcast, and you said you'll say it more eloquently than I am, I can, don't be afraid to release mm-hmm. or to do what me, many people have have found a way to, to kind of turn this and make a negative, to take a step back, to take five steps forward. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's why I keep you around. I'm here for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I definitely just wanted to have your voice on that. You want to hear me talk about pill number six, sitting on the uh, toilet? Bye. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, don't y'all, ladies and gentlemen, you know about pill, your version of pill number six. I'm going to use that from now on, pill number six. Well, you hear, you heard it here first, guys, on the Redefining Wealth podcast. Pill Thank, number six. Thank you, Mr. Take, Washington. Take a big note. Okay, so that was his version. <laughs> you see why I had to only give him like less than 10 minutes because he doesn't know how to behave. But anyway, so what we started to go through in this process of downsizing and what I really want you to take away today, if this is something that's in your spirit, something on your heart, you have a business you want to start, you have some goal, financial goal or otherwise, just something that you're really passionate about and you feel like you're called to in this season and you know that stuff is holding you back, that circumstances, situations, relationships are holding you back. I wanted to kind of give you the framework that we used because it was more than just the house. And hopefully it'll help you get your start or even identify places where you might be settling. And I guess it'll make sense once I share more. The first part is we really went through people that we needed to let go. And I'm going to be honest. It wasn't intentional with the people in our lives that we let go initially because we didn't necessarily know that we were going to downsize the house this soon. What happened was that as we started to declare, though, that this was the reality And as we started to get really a vivid picture of what this vision could look like and what it would take financially, even though we never talked about it openly, the people around us started to cut up. (laughs) And I think Marshawn Evans says it in her book, Believe Bigger. She talks about the fact that people will start to cut up when they're not ready to go to the next level with you, even when they don't understand what the next level is. And so for us in our house, um, and I'm just going to be candid here, guys. So for us in our house, we had a full-time driver 
And we had a full-time, we called her our house manager, but she was like nanny slash housekeeper in addition to some other people that would support us, right? Within months, both of these two people started to come to work late, not show up, not honor the commitment, act like they forgot different things and are not related. They were two totally isolated scenarios. But when it came time to basically said, you've, you, because this is how we kind of um, part ways with people and try to leave them with their dignity intact as best we can. But it's like, you know, as Doreen Rainey taught me, you've made a decision that you don't want to be here anymore. And at this point, I want to honor that decision. Simple. And a mentor that I had back in the day, George Thompson, used to say, I don't fire people, they fire themselves. Like if you're doing your job and I'm getting what I need and everything's clicking, I have no desire to fire you. If I have to fire you, it's because you've made a decision that you want to be fired. It's not because I want to fire you. And so with both of those things in mind, as they were starting to, you know, just make different decisions for themselves, we honored them by going ahead with it. But we also felt this tug that was, "Mm, we don't need to replace them. I know how to drive. Gerald knows how to drive. (laughs) It was like, no, we don't really need to replace them. And with the nanny slash housekeeper, it was like, no. I think I'm good. I think I could learn how to order groceries online. And we had a lot of errands that were run on our behalf and and a lot of different things. But we've really just started to take all of that back. And I have to admit, and it feels good because we do more things as a family. For us, it started to look like, who are the people that we needed to let go of in order to embrace the bigger picture? And It looks like a different sacrifice for everyone. I mean, obviously driving or picking my kid up from school is not like the biggest sacrifice in the world, but it does help to have that level of support when you're on the road the way that we are and when there's so much going on. And so now I, instead of just dropping her off at school, I drop off and pick up and and Gerald starts to jump in too. And, And she's enjoyed that more just because of our family dynamic and how crazy we are in the car and stuff. And it's been great, but We needed to accept that we needed to let go of what had become comfortable or the norm for us in terms of the people that we allowed in our space. So that was one. And then, as Gerald mentioned, we started to go through all these nooks and crannies of our home and realize that we had so many things that we needed to let go of. And again, I really would have never considered myself cluttered. I was always very intentional about letting things go, letting stuff go. If you came to my house, it didn't matter if you popped up on me at any given moment. House was always clean. Things were always organized. Everything had a place. But was that place necessary is what it came down to. Was it necessary to have those things or because we had the space where we just filling it with stuff? And that was a big one. And a big revelation of just how much we had accumulated that was just unnecessary. So going through and giving yourself permission to search even the places that you feel like, oh, this is organized. This is, you know, this is okay. I went through my closet and realized I really didn't love probably 40% of the things that were in my closet. So why do I have it? I'm never going to make it a go-to and pull it out and wear it. So why is it here? Why do I have all these kitchen gadgets? Now, everyone who knows me knows that I'm not (laughs) 
I'm not the best cook. Like it's not my ministry. I'm doing better. I have to say I've been making a valiant effort. So you'll hear more about that in the weeks to come, I'm sure. But like, why do I have all of this stuff? How do we end up with three blenders and two magic bullets? And well, I do know we we downsized originally from three homes, Chicago, Atlanta, and what we had in LA into that house. And so we brought all this stuff with us. And because we had the space to keep it, we did. But that's just not always healthy. That's not always the thing to do. We looked at things we needed to let go. And then the big one ended up being ways of being that we needed to let go of. Ways of being. And we needed to let go of thinking that we were too busy to drop off and pick up uh, at school and wait in the car line. Now, don't get me wrong. I still get support with some of this, right? But the truth is, we had made up in our minds that we were too busy to do so many things that we actually could build into our schedule. And what I learned by hiring the right people to work on my team is that I actually had more time than I thought I had. I was just not managing my time as efficiently as I thought I was. Because I had so much support, I would take longer to do things than really needed to be. Like I might take longer to work on a presentation because I knew that I had this woman who could go pick up my daughter when now it's like, I know I have to go get her. So I set the timer for 70 minutes, 80 minutes, however long I have, and I get it done. And so I've realized how much more efficient I actually have the capacity to be. One of my husbands that we talked about was he started to let go of the spirit of anxiousness. And I think that kind of came from, if I'm not mistaken, seeing the big picture while trying to hold on to where you are today. Trying to live in both existences, like trying to manage in your mind where you're going while still trying to physically manage the stuff that you have now and not knowing what to let go of. It's like, am I going to stay here and just let go of that bigger vision that I feel God is calling me to? Or am I going to let go of where I am and say, this has been good. It's been real. It's been nice, but I'm being led in a different direction now. And my purpose has shifted and therefore my needs and my wants have shifted. And this is no longer a priority for me. And so As he started to articulate that, like, I really understood that even more, you know, like, I don't want to hold on to this because I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. It's nice. People admire it. They like it. They talk about it. I don't want to hold on to this because it's familiar. I'm willing to stretch my hand out to the unfamiliar and trust that it is bigger than I probably have ever had the capacity to hold, but if if that is what's in my spirit, if that's what's in my mind's eye, like I have to embrace this new expansion in the capacity, you know, and what it takes to walk into that and who I need to be to hold that, you know, like who I need to be to walk in that space confidently, especially when it's real estate investing. And that is where I lost all my money. And so now, like more than ever, approaching this with a different mindset, with a renewed mindset, 
like a new wisdom, you know, just from being older and wiser and all that. It's like, I can't be distracted by anything else because I know, we know, you all know, everyone on Fox News and every other station that I've ever been on knows that that was a sore spot for me because that's where I failed. And so preparing for this next level, I can stay here in this space, which is very comfortable and I'm doing well and I'm excelling, or I can go for more, but prepare myself in every which way possible to be the best version of myself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, financially, physically, so that I can actually hold that dream, that vision. And I really hope that it makes sense. Because <laughs> like I told you, we're in the midst of this and we're doing this together. And I would love to hear from you if you can kind of grasp what I'm saying. For those of you who are in this space, you probably really get it. And I get that for some of you, you're like, what is she talking about today? This is not the episode for me. It's okay. Tune in next week. We'll have another great interview. <laughs> but we really wanted to start with these three things, kind of like, who are the people that just don't get to come? They don't get to go to this next level. It's not really needed. And we need to hone in and strengthen our skills in certain areas in order to really embrace the next level. What are the things that we're tolerating that are nice to have, but they're not necessities? And then what are the ways of being that we have to let go of that no longer will serve or support us as we set our eyes on what's next? And another one of those, too, was making fast decisions. Gerald and I both consider ourselves to be spirit-led, which means that sometimes we get this notion or inclination to do something, and we are like, I'm on it. I'm pushing. And to be honest, there's some things that I've wanted to do for the last several months, and while we've been in the midst of this conversation of downsizing and shifting and changing, I just couldn't move forward on those things. Like I didn't know what it was that was holding me back and what it was that was keeping me from just launching the course that I want to do for redefining wealth or relaunching in a different way my coaching program or like finishing my book and all this stuff. Like I'm working on so many different things and I just didn't feel settled or grounded enough to do it. And I kid you not, a couple weeks after being in the apartment and clearing, like clearing out all those secret compartments that did have clutter that I wasn't even aware of, I literally just in the last few weeks have flushed out the entire plan to get all of those things done. And when my team and I meet in a couple weeks for uh, our team retreat, we're bringing them from all over the country. I know the vision. Gerald knows the vision. We know the vision for where we're going, what we're doing together, like what we're doing corporately and individually. Like it is clear as day. But I really believe it's because I stripped down to what mattered most, what I loved the most, and I can see. And I didn't even know that I couldn't see. I didn't realize that there was a block there. 
I didn't realize how ambiguous I had allowed certain things in my life to become or how complacent or how much I was settling in certain areas. And so that's why I'm always sharing with you guys, like we are always evolving. We are doing this together. And there is a blessing in downsizing. There was a blessing. My relationship with my daughter, even just in these last couple months, is so much richer. And it was already a great relationship. But the thing that I'm realizing is that it can always be better. Like every time we take a step back, something gets maximized. Like something ends up getting the attention that it fully deserves. Something gets highlighted and magnified in a way that it never has before. Something has the opportunity to stand out and stand up and shine brighter than it ever has before. So the process of pruning doesn't have to be restrictive. It doesn't have to be a burden. It doesn't have to be a negative. It doesn't have to be some bad occurrence. Like it can actually be beautiful. And when I think about how I've grown just in the last month, it's crazy. I feel like I've grown leaps and bounds in the last month, relationally, spiritually, physically, um, you know, just my environment, like everything. And I didn't tell you guys this. Once we got in our apartment, our offer on our first 20-unit building was accepted. Yay! And I couldn't be more excited for what we get to create. And the thought of staying in my big old house by myself, but now I get to have a positive impact on 21 families. That's my family plus the 20 families that get to live in a place that I would want to live in if I were in their situation and in their circumstances. I would want to live in a nice space, a healthy space, a safe space, a a space that I can feel good about coming home to and bringing my children to. Like We get to create that for 20 families. And it's not just about my family anymore. There's nothing like that. And that once we get through this one, we're going to duplicate that experience, I hope, tens or dozens of times. Like, man, but what a blessing to be able to take that step back and see that downsizing is really an opportunity to maximize for us in this season some of the best pieces of you. Like, I'm super excited about that. And if you're in this season, I want you to get excited. I want you to get that plan together. I want you to think about people you have to let go of, things you have to let go of, ways of being that you have to let go of, and create a plan and go hard on it. Our plan for the next 12 months is intense, and I am excited about it. And every Step of the way where I can bring you with me, I am going to bring you. So if you are not subscribed, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you stay tuned. This is going to be good, and I really expect nothing but the best. So thank you. Thank you for letting me share my heart, you guys. 
I know it's a little different maybe than some some of the episodes. I don't know. But I just I really appreciate being able to share my heart and the truth of my journey and know that you guys stand with me in it and that you're cheering on and in the same way I want to cheer you on. So make sure you hit me up in social media, Seek Wisdom PCW, that's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Or leave a comment at redefiningwealthpodcast.com on this episode. And I would love to just cheer you on. And if you want to know more about my plan, just ask. And what pieces went into the plan? Like whatever you want to know, this is for you. Because my only reason for being here is because I want to make sure that together we're living our life's purpose, finding fulfillment, and earning more without ever chasing money. All right, guys, I'll talk to you later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.